Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an All-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew, and that's what he put his money on. He even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they used on college basketball courts, you know? Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski. A friend of mine is very smart, said I've been very lucky with gambling. I've never won. The NBA playoffs almost, almost down to the final four. So our guy Rick Camp will drop by to talk about the betting aspects. And if you're into once-in-a-lifetime betting opportunities, that was last week's Kentucky Derby. Jim Miller will be here later in the hour per usual. Broadcasting live from the Score Hyundai Studios. Presented by your local Hyundai dealers. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski with you. Some of you might laugh at the leaks and hijacking the sports world with dates of known games by the National Football League, which really shows you the Shield's incredible power. The Thursday announcements, they matter to betters. And here's why the flow of an entire 17-game schedule matters to betters. You don't want your team, the team you're backing, to face an opponent with extra rests coming off a bye or Thursday night football. You don't want back-to-back or three consecutive road games. However, you do want the extra rest. You want your opponent to have consecutive road games. And if you're playing on Thursday, you really want to face a rookie head coach that hasn't dealt with that sort of situation in the past. All of this came into focus Uh, This week on Thursday with the leaks and then their schedule release, especially if you bet on NFL win totals. And it could send a signal to bet in season instead of preseason. Bears had a rough schedule last year. We all knew that going in. They ended up being the favorite four times. Underdog, 13 times. This year, it's a soft schedule. If you go by win totals, Fourth easiest schedule right now. That's adjusted a bit throughout the offseason. Their top eight in rest advantage. They were near the bottom last year. But top eight in rest advantage. So that would typically set you up for some success. However, the betting markets see what the Bears are doing. So in their 17 games right now, they're favored in only two of 17. Bears minus three in week three against Lovey and the Texans. Bears minus one and a half week 10 against the Lions. Pickums against the Commanders and Falcons. On those look-ahead lines, 
Bears are at least six and a half point dogs four different times, and they're underdogs in their last six games of the season. If you weren't aware, it clues you in on what the betting markets think of the Bears, and that's why the win total is six and a half. That's why they're four to one to make the playoffs. As high as 70 to one to win the NFC, 150 to one to win the Super Bowl. Before we get to Campy and the NBA, check out our initial reactions to the week one lines on BetQL Daily. Here's myself, Joe Giglio, and Aaron Hawksworth. Let's go through it. Our first thoughts, week one, months before this actually happens. The, the first thought I had, just looking at the slate, because that was my first thought, like, all right, game to game, but like, what's this look like as a whole? I believe there are only four home favorites. We have 12 road favorites to start this season. Buffalo. I'm looking at I counted a five. Play. I counted okay, five. Maybe, maybe you see a different number somewhere. I have, or maybe I missed one. Buffalo's a road favorite. The Eagles are a road favorite. All right. I saw Rams favored. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see it as Buffalo minus one. So whatever. Four or that's it, though. I mean, we're talking about a lot of home dogs to start the season. Mm-hmm. What's the big picture takeaway before some games we'll throw out? Because that was my first one. Yeah. Yeah. And along with that big picture takeaway, with all of these home dogs, what does that say? It's a continuation of a conversation we've had over the last couple of years. Home field advantage is not what you think. It's right. definitely not three. It's probably not two and a half or even two. There are a lot of places, I'd say the majority of them, where it's one. Let's look at some of these home places. Is there a big advantage at the Rams, at the Falcons, at the Texans, Lions, Washington, Miami. These are not raucous. This is not Kansas City, right? This is not this is not Buffalo. Buffalo's on the road as well. I do think though, if you are a team maybe like New England where it might be a little cooler and you're going to Miami, I think there's a little advantage there for the Dolphins. Like it's fun in Miami. The weather's a lot different. It might be a little bit of a distraction. Oh, I well, I agree. I mean, Miami or Tampa or Jacksonville early in the season, it's hot. Like really hot. Yeah. We were just talking about, would you rather be hot or cold? I mean, when you're really hot, it's hard to focus. What what did you think about the prime time spots and what they ended up doing? It was like an all out blowout. Okay. Week one, people are watching no matter what Mm -hmm. Buffalo, LA Rams. You go with Brady on Sunday night at Dallas. And then Monday last year, wasn't that last year's opener? That Uh, was last year's Thursday night opener. And that was a great game. Uh, Tampa win, Dallas cover, I think 29-27. And the Russ game at Seattle, Monday night football. What what do we think about the NFL going all in on week one? I, I rolled my eyes. I was like, of course so it's Brady and, and Jerry World. Like, of course. I would have saved yeah, all this. I like that game, though. I Is there national appeal on Russell Wilson the way the NFL thinks there is? Like, if you, if you give me Russell Wilson Mahomes, <laughs> okay, I'll watch it. Do I care about Russell Wilson's return to Seattle? I, got, I mean, in Seattle they do. I understand that, right? That's a big deal. He's the greatest player they've ever had. Like, I don't know. The Seahawks are going to be garbage. Like, why am I watching that game? That's a, well, that's a weird one. You know why? You know why? Because they want this in prime time, and you want to get Seattle out of the way before they're 2-9, and nine, right? <laughs> right. The first Monday night game could be 31 to 10. You I hope know, the like, Seahawks I, beat them. Well, I do too. That'd be great. <laughs> At home as underdogs, see you, Russ. Maybe <laughs> he'll have a great. week one clunker like uh, Aaron Rodgers did last year. 
<laughs> I don't think I'm going to be taking Seattle plus four, but we can Probably go not. over them. <laughs> Bills Rams feels like a heavyweight matchup, though. Like that feels like the Super Bowl in Week One. That is the yeah. number one Super Bowl pick right now in the Bills, and it's not even close. I saw one sports book reporting the Bills are taking double the handle for Super Bowl bets. Wow, more than anybody, any other team in the NFL, and of all the thousand dollar wagers on futures it's like 20 percent of them are on the bills so the bills are that public team this offseason people expecting them to finally break through and win the championship mm -hmm. and then yeah of course the the reigning super bowl champ you've got the rams von miller i guess that's kind of intriguing I, i'm more interested in what josh allen's going to do and how the bills in general respond but uh von miller yeah he, he's now with buffalo just won a title with the Rams. I guess that's kind of interesting. I, I want to see how the Rams use Allen Robinson, but I think this is a great first game. It, it, it was hard for them to mess it up. A couple others that stood out to me, just as I, I, it, the line interested me, and there's the matchup. Uh, Chiefs-Cardinals, Mahomes against Kyler Murray off, off of the summer and everything going on with, with Kyler Murray. And, and look, the Arizona's always better early in the season. Mahomes only laying three, though. Against Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury, Andy against Kingsbury, that one stood out to me a little bit. That's and the number that's fifty-two and a half. The other mm -hmm. one, are you surprised Green Bay's only a point and a half favorite at Minnesota? Yeah, that was a little felt, bit felt short. You've got Rodgers against a rookie head coach in Kevin O'Connell. Mm -hmm. Now you are on the road. Okay, so what are they, what are they telling us? They're telling us they're they're a little above maybe field goal favorite on in the neutral field, right? It does feel short. Everybody's going to be on Green Bay in that one. Devontae Adams, so they get dinged for losing Devontae. How how about just in general, I want to go over these. Packers got screwed. The NFL is sick of the Rodgers thing. He's not going to get a third straight MVP. I mean, that's just common sense. But the NFL is going out of their way to make sure the Packers just don't completely dominate the NFC North again. That's how it felt to me. When you look at the rest and their schedule, and the lack of just – they're not going to be able to get into a rhythm. If you look at all the primetime games, just where are their Sunday at noon central time games at Lambeau? They don't exist. They have the worst rest differential. Like, you know, day, mm -hmm. days they get extra rest versus days they, they don't, right? They're right. minus 13. It is the worst in the NFL, the, the most difficult, however you want to say it. Um, I think it is Packers are minus 13. Texans and Patriots also are towards the bottom. Bills, our Lions – and the Broncos have the best in terms of that rest differential. So that so is the, something to look at. Boy, they're really pushing this Dan Campbell thing on us. Got hard knocks. They got a soft schedule. With the rest, a big advantage. No, I'm to Aaron, I'm serious. I think he, the NFL wants them to be good this year. Listen, the guy's a genius. If it weren't for the biting kneecaps soundbite, would Dan Campbell have this <laughs> this much attention and people just love them. I mean, that soundbite, like everyone fell in love with it. There is one team in the NFL that does not have a rest disadvantage in any week this season. It's the Detroit Lions. It's a big one deal. Team. It's a huge deal. Go ahead, bet it. Have fun. Let me know how that goes. <laughs> what are you going to bet? Did, didn't the they bet? cover? A, weren't they really good ATS last yes. season? And that means that you're probably not going to do it the next year. Yeah. I just want to know what number I can get on the Lions to make the playoffs. Yes, to make the playoffs. I want to know the number. Are you going to bet it? I might. That's interesting because it's probably not going to be very fair because they're public, even though their win total is six and a half. So you should get a good number. 
Yeah, you should get a really good number. Yeah. Okay. We'll 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 circle back to that. But this is just just the big picture stuff um, mm-hmm. on the schedule. So those matchups stood out to me. I like that they went back to the well on the Raiders Chargers. We saw that to end last year. It was basically the playoff game, the whole Staley thing, going for it on fourth down within his own, you know, his own uh, side of the field. Chargers open as a four point favorite over the Raiders. Great. I want to see the total. Can't wait for it. Fifty one and a half as of the right as I look Woo. at it right now. Uh, give me the over. <laughs> give me the over. I'll take the over in that one. Absolutely. How about the schedule makers trolling Carson Wentz? His last game was against the Jaguars last year, and his next game will be against the Jaguars this year. Doug Peterson against Carson Wentz week one. I love Boy, it. You're going to be all in. <laughs> are your Eagles playing at the same time? They are, aren't they? I'll, yeah, I'll be all in on the Jags plus four, please. <laughs> Hammering <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence. I might be on that too, Aaron. I might be on that too. Trevor Lawrence is going to take a big step. Guys, it all starts week one in Washington. Jacksonville, and you're not even getting a touchdown. Guys. Betting against Carson. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Who is the 16-point favorite against the Jaguars last year. Um, So Eagles open. I think we we tried to guess this line yesterday. I think it was during a break. Four and a half was the the Eagles-Lions number. I saw four, yeah. Yeah, that feels right. Maybe a little high. San Francisco, Chicago, they want Justin Fields versus Trey Lance. I don't know if they're going to get it. Right. I think that's the idea. Is that the lowest total on the board? It should be. (laughs) Is Debo going to play? I don't know. There are a lot of questions about that matchup. Yeah, I'm seeing 42. It's the lowest total I saw this morning. Any uh, point spreads confuse you early on? Aside from Green Bay, Minnesota. How about Pittsburgh? Nearly a touchdown underdog. Yes. And you don't even know who the quarterback is. Mm -hmm. It probably won't even change that much. I I guess maybe it bumps up if it's a picket because you have a rookie quarterback. Unless he lights it it up, it lights it up in the summer and maybe it it, it stays the same or goes the other way. Five and a half, a little buzz, but it's not going to move a lot. No, I I think minus six isn't enough. I'd be on the Bengals side. Really? Oh, Aaron's all in on the Bengals. I, I tend to want to take the points with Tomlin early in the They're season. They're hungry. You know, they didn't finish off last year the way they wanted. Yeah, I'll be on the Bengals, especially, I mean, not having Big Ben probably helps the Steelers, but a lot of question marks at quarterback there. Give me the Steelers. Yeah, divisional matchup. Yeah, Tomlin knows that team inside and out. Everybody's flying high on Cincinnati. Uh, I'll, take, I'll take Pittsburgh and that defense. Steelers start to the season. You ready? Bengals, Patriots, Browns, Jets, but then listen to this run. Bills, Bucks, Dolphins, Eagles, Ooh. and then the bye. I mean, Pickett's probably going to be in there pretty soon, right? Or they wait till the bye when they're, you know, they, and they a little soft landing spot for him after that. Yeah. Let Mitch take the beating. Yeah, and he will probably. A little bit of BetQL daily after the week one slate went public with point spreads. Subscribe to the BetQL daily podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Joe Ostrowski at Joe Ostrowski. Let's cover the NBA playoffs with Rick Camp next. This is Early Odds, Saturday mornings on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. The Score listener line is open 24-7, 365 and powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. 
Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. Welcome back on a Saturday morning. You've got early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, the score, also on the Odyssey app, and subscribe to the Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski podcast. While we're at it, subscribe to the BetQL Daily podcast. Uh, weekdays on the BetQL network, 8 to 11 a.m. and on 105.9 FM HD2. We welcome in our NBA expert on early odds. His name is Rick Camp, executive producer of the Dan Bernstein Show, Bulls Radio, and writes up NBA player props at 444.com at Rick C. Camp. Rick, we uh, previewed the playoffs. It feels like three months ago. How you doing? Dude, it really <laughs> does feel like forever ago. I mean, the first round weren't really upsets in that regard. So just the fact that it's it's felt like it's been this long, we're still in the second round of the playoffs. It is uh-huh. uh it's it's wild, man. Drag it out, drag it out. Okay, let's go back to Thursday because if the way the bull season ended kind of disappointed you, there's a there's a team in Philadelphia that you can kind of point at and laugh. I am an outside observer, as are you, even though you're, you're in deep on the NBA, every little news nugget. And on BetQL Daily, one of my co-hosts lives and dies with Philadelphia sports. That's what he covers every day. He has an evening show on our Odyssey station, WIP, there. So he's all over it. As an outside observer, I can't take the Sixers' excuses anymore. They've got an excuse for an excuse for an excuse, and it always starts with the head coach. Glenn Rivers does it as much as anyone. He's still bringing up the Magic team, trying to trying to prove that, hey, it wasn't a bad series loss when we were up 3-1 when I was with the Magic because we weren't expected to do anything. The other day he was saying the Sixers weren't expected to do anything last year. Embiid is telling the world, hey, you know, Harden's not what he was with the Rockets, so don't really expect that much. When the season ended a year ago, he was bus-tossing Ben Simmons. Like, oh, my God. They're just the, the perfect example. They they got everything they wanted. They got a top three player in the league, but now they're stuck in that fourth to sixth best team in the Eastern Conference range, and their buddy James Harden, Daryl Morey, had to have the man he's in love with. He, he's going to opt in for $47 million and he and he's going to be looking for another long-term contract. I don't know how they get out of this. Right. They, you know, Morey wanted his guy. Morey got his guy. Mm-hmm. No matter what that means, that's what he did. So Harden will take that nice, what, $47, $48 million, and then they can figure it out from there. But I just don't know how they really improve it around the edges. And then you have to figure out how willing is their ownership to pay the tax because at some point here soon, I mean, you got to pay Maxi too because Maxi's been their saving grace to even let them get to the point they did with Harden being as inconsistent or consistently bad as he was. So... What they do is really interesting, and now obviously with looks like Danny Green's probably going to be out for a part of next season too, you would at least imagine with the way the injury looked that he sustained early in that game that they got to figure a lot of things out. They got to find shooting. They got to find kind of a lot like the Bulls. They got to find two-way dudes. What's an easier decision? The Sixers call on what they do with Harden if they offer the the long-term deal that he's going to be seeking, a guy that continues to fail in the playoffs, is it an easier call on Harden or the Bulls' decision that they're going to have to make with Levine? Oh, the Bulls' decision's easier. Levine's getting a max. And should he? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think he should. He's so, he, he's. A I, I, I'm gonna I'm pull a page out of your host for a second. So that gets them closer to a championship by giving max money to Zach Levine. I think so, just because. I I mean I don't think with their current group they're gonna win a title anyway. I but I think right. the restrictors on that are more the other two guys. Where if you said Zach Levine's the second best player, I could believe that. But the thing is, they have to find the best player. But for a vast majority of teams that are winning a title, you have at least two guys that are making the max anyway. And the max is a relative term anyway to where he'd be getting 30% of the cap. It's not like he's getting a super max or it's not like he has 10 years of service where he could get 35% anyway. You get 30% of the cap. It's not unreasonable for him to get that. If they have to pivot, that should be a deal that's able to be moved down the road. So I get it. Yeah, I like what you said at the start there. You're not going to win a title with this group. Okay, so then why are you going to sign him for X amount of years knowing that for the length of that contract, you're not going to win a championship? Oh, see, I think when DeRozan and Vucevic come up, maybe that's where you're able to pivot. Because the thing is, it's not like don't sign Zach Levine, now you have a max slot. It's not that. It's and the, the figures might be a little rough for me here off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. if you don't sign Levine to the max and let's say he walks for nothing, you only get like 18 million in space because they're operating yeah. as an over the cap team. And also Levine's the best free agent on the market this year anyway. So if you're not going to sign Levine, you might as well just go back to a rebuild at this point because building an entire thing around DeRozan and Vucevic alone Makes no sense. The Bulls would take a major step backwards if that was the case. Don't you think that for the first time there does seem to be a crack, a little bit of momentum, that Levine is not here, and maybe it's not the Bulls' decision? No. You don't think so? You think think he's here? I mentioned it uh, a couple days ago. This is the FBI and Die Hard. They're running the clutch playbook step by step just to Mm -hmm. make sure that Levine gets not just the max, but all the trimmings too, whether that's a player option on the last year or so there's not injury designations within that max contract. They're doing this for leverage. Zach has indicated in his actions as well as what he said that he wants to, yes, he wants the free agent process, but he that he would want to be here if the Bulls want him. The Bulls have given every indication that they are going to make him the priority and they're going to be aggressive in doing so. So I expect it to be five-year max, was a five for like two hundred thirteen million. Zach Levine's going to be a bull long term. This is early out to Joe Ostrowski Sports Radio six seventy. The score. My guest Rick Camp talking. Of course, the NBA playoffs. We've got Mavs Suns game number seven tomorrow. Uh, what's been going on in the playoffs? If you haven't been checking, the favorite for the NBA championship is based on recency bias. The favorite has been flipping. Coming into the playoffs, it was the Suns. Golden State looked remarkable at the start of the postseason. Then the Warriors became the favorite. Then it's flipping back to the Suns. You know, when Memphis wins, the Warriors are no longer the favorite. It's been pretty interesting. I'm kind of leaning, Rick, towards the Eastern Conference. And there's a team in the East that's already locked up their spot, the Miami Heat, that nobody talks about, probably have the best coaching staff. Um, they have as much depth as anyone. They start to lose guys like Duncan Robinson and Lowry, and then oh, there's Max Struess stepping up out of out of nowhere. They just they're just always able to to find guys, kind of like the the St. Louis Cardinals of the NBA. Do you think 
that we should be flip-flopping one, two NBA title favorite. It, it should always be the Suns or the Warriors, like, like what's been happening. I definitely think Phoenix should be the favorite. I think Golden State's getting a little bit overrated here because each team has flaws. I mean, that's the thing about this year. There's no runaway team as much as the Suns were in the regular season. You know, they've shown some warts here in the playoffs, but I still think they're the best team. I think Chris Paul is going to bounce back at least a little bit, and I think they match up decently well against the Warriors, especially if it comes down to that. So for me, it would be... Phoenix, then whoever you think is best set in the East, and then the Warriors after that. Because if the Warriors aren't getting past the Suns, then what are we doing here? You know, especially when you're getting down to this few amount of teams, but the Warriors being a favorite right now, depending on where you're looking generally, is just, it doesn't make sense to me because it's been good games against the Suns in the regular season. I don't know how much you can judge off of that too, but Phoenix has enough size to be able to stick with the size that the Warriors have, but then also, like, what's the matchup for Aiton? And if you get a truly engaged DeAndre Aiton, like you saw in the finals last year, then that's something that the Warriors don't really have an answer for. So I think they have more things the other team can't account for than the opposite way in that type of series. So I have to favor Phoenix. And then I favor Phoenix just because of what they've put on tape all year over anybody from the East. With the teams that are still alive, I think the way the voters handle the finals MVP right now, it's pretty set in stone. Like We had the Iguodala outlier, but I don't know that we're going to see that once again. If it's Miami, where do you go? Are there some possibilities down the board? Because that's the one team that stands out where you kind of shrug your shoulders, even though Jimmy Butler's been off the charts. I think it's Jimmy. There's no doubt you wouldn't be able to find a a role player like a hero who just won the six man of the of the year award where he could step up, have an amazing series and win. The reason I don't think so is because they have so many guys that can fill those roles mm-hmm. that if someone's not playing well for a half, their minutes get gobbled up by other people. Eric Spolstra ha- will show the itchy trigger finger in that regard. I mean, Duncan Robinson sat for a few games and he's the what $18 million man per year that he's getting at this point on a new contract. So the fact that Eric Spolster is willing to do that shows a, the depth that Miami has, but also it limits the, uh, the range of outcomes for each player to be able to do that. Cause they need to be good every single game where Jimmy Butler is just going to have the usage. I don't even know as much about Bam at a bio. He would have to be almost averaging like a triple double or something to probably be up there or just monster double-doubles, which I don't necessarily expect. His rebounding's been down a little bit. Uh, Mind you, that was against Joel Embiid in that series. But still, with how much they switch, he gets moved away from the basket sometimes, so he's just not in his rebounding position as much as other centers would be. So I don't think his numbers are consistent enough. So for Miami, I think it really does have to be Jimmy. For your sons, though, if you're right and they win the title, it's Booker, right? Yeah, Chris Paul's been too inconsistent, even if I do think he bounces back. Just how inconsistent he's been, Booker's got to be the guy. Because if they're going to raise their level of play up, it's going to be because Booker's scoring into the 30s a decent amount and opening everything up for everybody else. Game 7 tomorrow. Before Game 6, the Mavs were 50-1 to to win the title. At some spots after Game 6, they were down to 18-1 to going into Game number 7. 
Suns are favored by six, six and a half, total 207, 208, somewhere in that range. The home team has won and covered every single game in this series, Rick. Does it happen for a seventh time? I think it's Phoenix. Uh, I, I really do. And, yeah, I think Phoenix will they'll probably end up covering this, too. It's just the number to look at is turnovers for Phoenix. Oh. In their wins, 12-17, which is a bit of an outlier for them in a win, and 10. In their losses, 22-17-17. If Dallas is able to get easy baskets, that's that's where Dallas is able to win. They've actually run a little bit more than they did in the regular season because they've been given the opportunities in this series. If Phoenix is able to set up their defense, while they don't have the perfect defensive team, if they're able to set up, it does make it difficult on Dallas. Mm -hmm. So I really think that Phoenix, they probably need to push the pace a little bit overall, try and get into their offense a little earlier in the clock so that, yeah, they have guys that can hit shots towards the end of a, a shot clock, but not to rely on that as much. I think that's really key for them in terms of getting Booker going. And, man, if the light goes on for DeAndre Ayton, that's a game changer for him just being physical and aggressive like we saw towards the end of the playoff run last year. All of these series, as we get into week two and week three, each of these series, the totals have gone down. And in Mavs' Suns. The under has hit in four in a row. Do you think it hits again tomorrow? Yeah, game sevens are notorious for, if not just being a little bit tight, especially early. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to happen. And then especially in the fourth, it'll grind down to a halt. And especially when you have Dallas involved. Yes, they've run a little bit more. But, I mean, that series is still trending so slow that Luka is going to want to grind out every possession, make sure he's getting the switch that he wants get in the spot that he wants. So Dallas especially will grind that thing down. So, yes, I would lean that under. Campy, let's talk again during the conference finals, all right? Absolutely. Let's do it. That's Rick Camp at Rick C. Camp on Twitter. He's the executive producer of the Dan Bernstein Show, Bulls Radio, and check out his write-ups, NBA Player Props, 444.com. And I'm at Joe Ostrowski on Twitter, at Joe Ostrowski. Just like every other sports betting media outlet, we previewed the Derby last week, but nobody had that result. We'll discuss the rich strike aftermath with Jim Miller. You've got early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Saturdays 8 to 9 on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app. time to elevate your live betting game introducing points bets new exclusive feature live same game parlay for nba for the first time ever build the perfect live same game parlay only with points bet combine your favorite bets anytime during the game including spreads totals player props and more and now during the nba playoffs get your first bets risk-free up to two thousand dollars once the game starts don't just bet live your bet life with points bet Welcome back on Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670, The Score. And our weekly contributor, as you know, his name is Jim Miller of Hawthorne Racecourse and Points Bet Sportsbook. Jim, I realized uh, one week ago, last Saturday after the Derby, since you didn't give us the 21 horse rich strike, we cannot trust you moving forward. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best way to put it. Here, here's the crazy thing, Joe. At 8.58 a.m. on Friday morning, Rich Strike was still not even in the Derby. A horse had to declare scratched out before 9 a.m. 
on Friday. They found out one minute before scratch time that they were even getting into the race. So when you look at how everybody analyzed this race leading mm -hmm. up to then, no one even considered Rich Strike a possibility to even run. You look at like the daily racing form, for example, they already had all the derby forms out on Friday. So all the selections were made thinking Rich Strike wasn't even in the race. So that's how unheard of this outcome of the derby was. It was super cool to see, but man, just what a crazy race. Jim, the official shirts that were sold at Churchill Downs for the Kentucky Derby didn't have Rich Strike on there. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. Crazy. They used the field of 20. Yeah. The, this is so unheard of, Joe. Think of it this way. Only one horse ever in all of the runnings of the Kentucky Derby has even won from post 20. And that was Big Brown, who was a superstar. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to win from the outside, but it's very hard to win from the inside too. But you just look at this Rich Strike. They didn't even have a chance to draw a post position on entry day because they weren't they didn't have enough points to even get into that field of 20. So they were just waiting and hoping and then dealing with the hand that was dealt to them. The jock, Sonny Leone, was riding at Little Belterra Park in Ohio on Friday afternoon. And then, the, OK, get in your car. You're driving to Churchill Downs. You have one ride and it's the Kentucky Derby. I mean, everything about this story, just absolutely insane. The only time I considered Rich Strike was moments before the race. It was way too late. And my son was obsessed with the fact as the Derby's about to start, they're going in the gate, the numbers would go from 19 to 21. And he kept asking why. And I had to explain what was going on, why it doesn't go to 20 and to 21. And as he's doing that, right before they go off, I'm thinking, you know what? I should bet on this number 21 horse. Yep. He's talking a lot about this. You know, betters are, oh, that means something. But uh, 80 to one is the winner. Just some amazing numbers. Jim, you talked about the handicapping that was going on for weeks. And it's the Derby. It's the Super Bowl of your sport. And so much was, uh, was talked about since the point system, how everything has changed, how it's typically the favorites hitting the board. If you are the favorite, you're going to hit the board since they made this change. Is that different now? I'm, I'm not quite sure that it is. Because on those try tickets, look at second and third epicenter right. and in. Yeah, the favorite, the favorite second choice ran ran two three in that race and yeah. and ran really good races. I guess the biggest change more was just the outcome of the winner. And here's the thing about it that was really weird is you look at how the track played at Churchill Downs on Saturday. Typically, Churchill's track is very much a speed favoring track, and I even talked about that leading up to the race. As I was watching the races on Saturday, I noticed time and again and again, these horses making the lead, even easy leads, were getting caught late. So the way the track was playing was a lot different than normal. Then you get up to the Kentucky Derby, and little things happen in the Derby. They go through the post grade when the horses walk out on the track, and they're singing my old Kentucky home, and the horses are walking with the camera talking about each horse. They got up to the four horse in the post grade which was summer is tomorrow. And all of a sudden you don't see this horse next to the pony. He's off running down the racetrack already. So that was a little scary sign because it meant that he was a horse that was keyed up. And when you notice the running of the Derby, it was summer is tomorrow. Who was the horse winging it on the front end going way too fast out there. But what he did was he basically took six or seven other horses with him who maybe didn't necessarily want to be that close to the pace, but they had to go much faster than they thought. And you just saw one by one, Summer is Tomorrow backed up, Crown Pride backed up, Messier in the Lane backed up, Taba backed up. It just happened time and again with all these speed horses just running out of gas 
And that really shows that Epicenter ran such a huge race because he rated so close the entire way. But when you see that overhead view that they showed on NBC of the trip Rich Strike oh, got, I mean, man. it was just every single every single button Sonny Leon pushed was the right one. He was just weaving his way through all these tiring horses. He looked like he was moving forward and every other horse was standing still. So many just fascinating storylines to this. I, I want to get to that, that trip over the, especially the last 50 seconds in a moment. The last time we had at least an 80 to one in any grade one race was 2006. I, I heard a stat that this year going into the Derby longest shot on the board. Oh, and 175 until the Derby, a $2 win ticket. You get one sixty three sixty. dollars uh, $2 exacta. try almost 15k dollar super $321,000 insane insane have you ever seen anything like this I mean that you're around this every single day for much of your life have you ever seen anything like this in person no, nothing, nothing quite to that extent. I mean, I saw the race when mine that bird won and when Giacomo won, but they were like 40 and 50 to one to see the 80 to one shot come running and to see the prices the way they were. Mm. Because here's the thing. A lot of smart players show will take the favorite, for example, who turned out to be epicenter at post time and say, I'm going to play him in first and second with the field for exact does. And then if you run second and some bomber wins, they get paid. But still, it was a huge payout. But the horses that finished second third and fourth were all very logical horses yet you still see like you said a dollar superfecta three hundred and twenty one thousand dollars one it means somebody had it but two it means not a whole lot of people had it so just the consideration given to rich strike was so minimal and it's because it wasn't also eligible that didn't even draw until the day before that people just didn't do their homework on this horse and you almost had to be that one that either played numbers or played a long shot or a name or something like that. That was cashing on the race. But for me, I think that's awesome for the horse player because it really is a cool story. You like the background of the horse. You like the background of the journeyman jockey winning the race. The trainer had lost over 20 horses in a barn fire six years prior. And this is your everyday trainer. He's raced horses at Hawthorne time and again that are just your everyday claiming type of horse. So it's not like He's just filled with barns full of steak horses either. And that's what made it so, so cool. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score, our guest, weekly contributor, Jim Miller, Hawthorne Race Course and Points Bet Sportsbook. As I was looking at the board and all these just amazing, amazingly high lucrative payouts, one that I never even heard of. And I was curious uh, how often you see this wager, the super high five. Do people yeah. bet this on a regular basis? The super high five is a relatively new wager. And like you mentioned, the super facto is the first four in order. The high five is the first five in order. Do you see and the payout? What, no. What was it? 741,000. Oh my gosh. And that's, what's <laughs> crazy. And, and a lot of race. A dollar one, a, by the way, a dollar, <laughs> a dollar. Yeah. They put what they put, what's called a jackpot on it. Meaning the only way it gets paid out is if there's a single winner because it carries over so often because people just don't hit the first five in order. Mm-hmm. that's amazing think about that for one dollar if someone played numbers they got nearly three quarters of a million dollars and it's all because the horse that finished first 80 to one shot because everybody underneath was logical 100 one of the reactions one of the many different reactions that we saw was oh the books cleaned up oh oh they absolutely cleaned up on this race not necessarily no i saw the people over at circus sports they said they were a net loser 
because there were some 125 to one tickets on rich strike and they actually closed at 200, which leads to uh, leads to my next question. I know in Australia they do fixed odds and there were some 250 to 300 to one tickets. And as you know, we have paramutual racing here, which you could explain. Do you you wish we had fixed odds here? No, not really. I'm fine with the paramutual aspect of it. And and I'll explain to you why in a second, but for those that don't know what paramutual betting is, it means you're betting against all the other players who are playing the race. So the house, their take comes right off the top. So the outcome of the race doesn't matter at all for the racetracks. Odds are completely set by all of the other betters in the race and the amount of money that's bet in the wind pool proportionally to everybody else. And that's what sets the odds for the race. So because of that, the paramutual aspect doesn't matter. And that covers all wagers from your win play show wagers to your exact, to try super, your high five, all of that. It's all what you're playing against what other people are playing for the paramutual aspect. Now here's the reason Joe, why I personally would be against fixed odds wagering. Mm-hmm. It would be the pressure put upon me because I'm the morning line odds maker at Hawthorne. Oh, so yeah. here's the thing. If I, if I wasn't the odds maker, I would be all for it. And because I watch time and again, and I'll watch other racetracks, I know what racetracks around the country have bad morning line odds makers. And because of that, you can catch some value. And the value usually comes in, say, the pick three, pick four, or pick five wager where you're trying to pick winners over the course of multiple races. And you only see the odds of that first race you're betting on. So you can catch some value down the line. But as an odds maker, if you mess up, and it's fixed odds wagering, mm-hmm. that can cost you some money there for the racetrack. And, and that's one of those things where you have to watch it a little bit. It can be good. It can be bad. But, I mean, I always pride myself on more, more than anything else trying to make sure I get the favorite right in each and every race. But the last thing you want to do is have a horse that you put a 10 to 1 in the morning line and it goes off at 9 to 5. And then, and then you're looking bad. But it does happen, especially when you see first-time starters, two-year-olds, things along those lines. But yeah, as, as a morning line odds maker, no. As a better, sure, I'd be all for it. You know something big happens when a full week later we're still talking about the results of the Kentucky Derby, and it's just as fascinating as it is. Was last weekend a great day for the sport? I think it was a great day for the sport. You got past all the talk of what's going on with Bob Baffert. You got past yeah. the talk of having to deal with the pandemic and now getting fans back in the track and getting the Derby back on the first Saturday in May after it not being there in twenty and then having limited spectators in 21. You got beyond a lot of that, and then you got the feel-good story of Sonny Leone coming in, mm-hmm. of Eric Reed being the trainer. Joe, the, the trainer, him and his crew, they watched the race from the paddock, which is on the other side of the Churchill Grandstand. They didn't even see their horse win live. I mean, just the whole story surrounding it was so, so awesome. I think it was a great day for racing. I thought the coverage was great, and I had no problem at all with the outcome. Jim, how many people are going to take the longest shot on the board at the Preakness, the Belmont, and next year's Derby? Everybody? Tons. Tons. <laughs> Ton, and no right? reason why not. It, like they say, to throw yeah. a couple bucks down, there are people, you threw $6 down, $2 across the board on Rich Strike, you're getting back over 400 I mean, Ooh. why not? Go ahead. Go and throw a couple bucks down on, on these horses. Take that shot. All right. How can we make some money today over at Hawthorne? Here's the crazy thing, Joe. I gave you three horses last week, and of course, I didn't win the Derby. Our two horses did win at Hawthorne, so we did make a little bit of money last week. But we have three horses at Hawthorne today. 
Race three, bet the one Helen May's song to win. This is a horse that's very fast on the inside. Race six, bet the five, a Roman poet across the board. We're finally on the turf at Hawthorne, so it'll be good to see that. And then race seven, a stakes race at Hawthorne, bet the five. What's up, dude, across the board? Another one that should come flying late. All right, we got you, Jim. Jim Miller, Hawthorne Racecourse and Points Bet Sportsbook. Jim, as we move forward, we'll be previewing the Preakness. Yeah, and I think you're going to see a little bit bigger field, which will be great for that race, too. Agree with Jim that it was a good day for the sport of Kings, but all that buzz fades away when we find out that Rich Strike will not be running in the Preakness. Check us out all week on BetQL Daily, 8 to 11 a.m. on the Odyssey app, Twitch, and 105.9 FM HG2 as we head into the NBA's conference finals and the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, wondering if the scoring is ever going to slow down. My Tuesday through Friday hits... Here on The Score. Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw is next. Cash those tickets and keep it locked here on 670 The Score. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.